Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Praise in the house today, church. Hallelujah. It is December. We made it. Oh, man, we made it. I'm so happy we made it. I'm glad you guys stayed. Appreciate you. We'll see. We'll see if I actually, I shouldn't count my chickens before they hatch. We'll see how it goes after today. Um. <laughs> but yeah, Pastor Eddie, Pastor Roxanne, they'll be back next Sunday. Um, three months, that fast. And here we are. Praise God. I'm excited. Uh, we got a lot of awesome things going on this month, uh, decorating the church tonight. So you're free tonight. Be here. We're going to have an awesome time uh, next week. So with the um, winter ball, it is not the fashionably late ball. It is the not I'm going to come at 8 ball. It is the come at 7.30 or you don't eat ball. That's what it is. <laughs> so we're going to have an amazing time. But you need to be on time. For real. Otherwise, your food going to be cold and nobody's going to notice you. And we're just going to continue on with the night. Just letting you know in advance. Like, I can't believe they actually started on time. We're starting on time, okay? So I'm just putting out there, that out there in advance. Um, we had a great Winter West Fest. Man. Um, and so many young people here, so many just, well, just people in general here had an amazing time worshiping God. I uh, want to thank all of our guests who visited and attended that and those who performed here. We honor you. We thank you. Can't wait to do it again with you guys. Um, December 18th and 19th, as you know, is our Christmas production and our kids' life. So we still got a lot of awesome stuff, and then we're going to celebrate our pastor's return next week. Um, but yeah, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm truly thankful of all of our leaders here at Restoration Life, all of our teams, uh, everybody who, you know, stood in the gap during this season while our pastors were on sabbatical. I can say with complete confidence, our church is like at full capacity momentum. Uh, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the response of the leaders, the disciples, and everybody who's been a part of this journey these last three months, seeing our women's ministry, our men's ministry, kids' life, youth, young adults, everybody thriving, like really thriving in ministry. And it's not that we're not facing obstacles or challenges. We do. But I see more so a connection between brothers and sisters together and competing and contending together. And so just thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for rocking with us, uh, me and my wife, these last three months. We could not have done it without you guys. We honor you and we thank you guys, truly. So during this time, we've been discussing our values, yes? If you walk on campus at Restoration Live, you'll see a beautiful banner, and it will have a listing of our values. i got to make sure that you guys understand the values. So we're going to do a little bit of interaction here. So I'm going to say something, and then you're going to say something. So I'm going to say the first part of the value, and then you're all going to say the second part of the value. Can, can we do this? Yeah. All right, so here's our first one. Jesus is our? Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Honor is our? Let's go. Excellence is our? Let's go. Generosity. My wife just said it. Generosity is our? Community is our? 
and discipleship is our co. Let's go. Make God, give God some praise. So when Pastor Eddie come back, don't go to sleep on me. Don't go to sleep. Y'all, y'all know him. Don't, don't act like y'all don't know next week. I'll throw my shoe at you. Don't act like you don't know. And you know, um, I, I knew this was the month of December, and I, I saved this value to the end. Because as this is the month of December, we're closing out the year. I wanted to finish the year how we started the year. If you remember, if you were here in January, we started the year talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's only fitting that we close the year the same way we started the year with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen? So our last value we're going to talk about is His presence drives our direction. John 15, 5 says this, says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks today for the life you give us now and the life you blessed us with in eternity with you. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your unconditional love. Today we ask for clarity that our minds are renewed and we learn to prioritize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray that we leave from this place today driven by the voice of the Holy Spirit and not our own. Father, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give God some praise one more time. Something we have to understand is that in order to grow and mature as a disciple, meaning a follower of Christ, we have to be driven by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have to be driven by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be driven by our own ambition, our goals, our our ideologies, our plans. Those cannot be the things that drive us. But let me be clear, it is not wrong to have ambition. It is not sinful to have a plan or sinful to have a goal. The conflict arises when we prioritize our personal preference over his presence. When we say it's more important that I pursue my ambitions and my goals than pursue what God is calling me towards. When when my job takes place of the voice of the Holy Spirit. When these conflicts arise and we give into our own desires over the voice of the Holy Spirit, then we have a problem. Then we face an issue with our character. And today I, I want us to be able to, to analyze and see what it looks like to live driven by the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack that. Go to Exodus chapter 33. And I think it's funny, as I was listening to worship and Sheriff began sharing a, a devotion, we didn't talk about it at all. And just so happened she was sharing on Exodus 33. Talk about when the Holy Spirit wants to confirm something, wants to say something. He's going to say it from beginning to end. He's going to make sure that everybody gets this. So we're going to read this story in Exodus 33. You guys ready? Everybody there? Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses... Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, 
and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. It took me a lot of years to be able to say that clearly. So y'all should be clapped right there. <laughs> go up. That's the L.A. public education. I fixed it. Hey, look. <laughs> go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people. And I might destroy you on the way. Wow. I remember the first time I read this and I heard stiff neck. Like, I didn't know what stiff neck means, but I, I had a feeling like that. That's bad. Like, you ever heard, like, British insults? I felt it was like that. Like, I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty sure it's jacked up. We call him stiff neck. I ain't never been called stiff neck before. And then he said he might kill him if he go with him. You know it's bad. Verse 4, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. And no one put on any ornaments. Ornaments are just jewelry, relaxed, and not decorating themselves as a Christmas tree. All right. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Oreb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at their tent. The Lord would speak face to face with Moses as one would speak to a friend. Could you imagine that? Speaking to you just as a friend. That's beautiful. Then Moses would return to camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I will know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence, watch this, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you. And I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. 
But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Before we can get into what it looks like being driven by the Holy Spirit, there's a few things about the Holy Spirit that we have to come into an understanding of. Number one, here's number one, I want you to write this down. His presence is a privilege. His presence is a privilege. Like I said, I, I don't know if anybody's ever been called this. I know I've never been called this. A stiff-necked person. What is a stiff-necked person? Like, I, you have to ask that question. Because I'm reading and I'm like, stiff-necked people. Huh. They got a crook? Did they sleep wrong? What happened? A stiff-necked person. Someone who is difficult. Stubborn, hard-headed, disobedient. We've all had stiff-necked people in our lives. And if we're honest, we've all been stiff-necked people. Where we're hard-headed, we're stubborn, we don't want to do what's right or what somebody tells us to do. So these Israelites, after being delivered from captivity in Egypt... Being set free, witnessing firsthand the mighty miracles of God, witnessing with their eyes the Red Sea splitting apart, walking across and being delivered, they, they revert back to old behaviors. And they're doing things that are against God. So much so that God says, I can't even be around you anymore. I, can, I cannot, I poured out manna on you guys, I took care of you guys, I set you free, I delivered you, I did everything you want. And here you are, doing the same thing. I, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. You ever been done before? You ever been done? Like you don't, you don't even want to yell anymore, you don't want to fight no more, you're just like, I, I'm done. Alright, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing, and let's have at it. So he tells them, like, you know, you're going to go off into the promise because I'm going to be a man of my word. I told Abraham, I told Isaac, I told Jacob that you would go into the promised land. I'm going to honor that. But I'm not going with you. You see, because God's presence is contingent on our obedience. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago where we understand that now today we are temples of the Holy Spirit, yes? When we accept God as Lord and Savior, we repent from our old way of living, the Holy Spirit is given unto us, and we become carriers of the Spirit within us. However, if we choose to revert back to our old behaviors, doing things that are against God and that are contradictory to the Word, we will quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, it's funny because I hear this from Christians often where they go through a period where they're like, you know, I really just don't feel the presence of God anymore. I, I just don't feel it anymore. And I ask, well, what's your life like? 
Could it be possible that you are doing something where you have silenced the Holy Spirit in your life? Because when we read this story, we all like to be Moses. Right? We all like to be Moses. Man, yeah, them stiff-necked people. But we don't look in the mirror and go, I'm a stiff-necked person. I am hard-headed. And it's crazy like, like how bad these guys fall. Moses is up. He goes up um, to, to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, they're building a new God. Because they didn't see their leader for a little bit. And sometimes that happens to us in life, yes, where our leader is no longer present. Nobody's telling us what to do. Young adults, you, you grow up and you step out of your parents' authority for the first time. All of a sudden, you forget how to live your life. You forget it like you ain't got no, like my mom will always say, don't act like you ain't got no home training. Right? Where, where, where we're not in the presence of anybody of authority, so we revert back to old behaviors. And this is what happens. They, they go completely against what God had told them. If you go back to Exodus 33, God promises them, like, I'm going to take you on this journey through the wilderness. Do you know that they were not supposed to be wandering around for 40 years? That that was because of their disobedience that they caused them to wander for 40 years? And he tells them, I'm going to send an angel before you. He's going to deal with all your enemies. You're going to enter the promised land. And I'm going to be with you. So long as you don't pick up the practices of those people. Don't do what the Canaanites do. Don't do what the Amorites do or the Jebusites or the Hittites or any of these guys. Don't do what they do. And the Israelites, they do that very thing. They build for them a god, an idol. Now, I know when we read that, we look at, our, at the scripture and we go, well, I don't make any golden calves, Pastor Max. I, I, don't, I don't make any, any statues or any images, or anything of worship. But we do. When we take our job and we put it in front of God. When we take our kids and put them in front of God. We put our family, our hobbies, our interests, our lust, our desires, any one of those things we begin to craft up and we put it in front of God and then we wonder why his presence is no longer with us. See, because presence is a privilege. It's not an entitlement. You are not guaranteed. There are consequences for disobedience. And I don't get it with, with us, with us human beings. For whatever reason, we like to break the first rule. As soon as they give us a rule, we like to break it. God tells Adam and Eve, don't eat from that one tree. What do they do? Eat the tree. He tells them, first commandment, have no other gods before me. What do they do? Make a golden calf. And we turn around and we repeat the same habits. Where we we're told specifically, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And we'll do it. It's like, well, I, don't, I just don't, maybe I got to play the right worship song. And that'll fix it. That'll solve the problem. Then I'll feel the Holy Spirit. No, you're feeling your own emotion. You're fooling yourself. We can turn any lifestyle into an idol. It, it, it doesn't have to be an actual golden statue. Your hobby can become your idol when you place that ahead of what God is calling you to do. When you hear the Holy Spirit telling you, I need you to do this. And I'm not saying that you have to quit your hobby. But what I'm saying is, are you acknowledging the people that God is putting around you for the purpose of you ministering to them? 
Or do you hold back from ministering to them because you want to keep your friends? See, that's what it means to prioritize your hobby. See, we, we ask God for these jobs and promotions and all these platforms and they provide it to us. But then we start like, well, I don't, it's weird. I don't feel the presence of God anymore. It's because we forgot who gave it to us in the first place and why. See, we took the job and we took the opportunity for our own blessing and for our own preference. And when we don't use it for God's purpose, the Holy Spirit pulls himself back. See, you have to understand that his presence is a privilege. He promised you something. He gave it to you. But he's like, I can't go with you. Why? Because you're not honoring me in what I gave you. Understand, we, we can quench the Holy Spirit when we choose our own desires over what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. This makes sense to everybody. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22 says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, meaning doing nothing. Modern church is idle. We become very idle where this has become sufficient. I attend Sunday. I'm done. That's idleness. He says, warn those who have become idle and those who have become disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. You see, when your, your prayer life and your rejoice life and your thankful life is, re is relegated to one Sunday, you, you, of course you're not going to hear from the Spirit during the week. See, because you're waiting for a one moment for this to happen. You're waiting for one type of experience for this to happen. But when you learn to rejoice always, pray continually, be thankful in all circumstances, you'll hear from the Holy Spirit more often. You'll encounter him more often. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. You know, today we're very, we're very quick to point out someone else's evil and not acknowledge our own. See, because their evil is not my evil. I'm going to reject their evil, but I'm going to accept my evil. Yeah, they're LGBT. That, that's that evil. I'm just living with my girlfriend. It's not the same thing. You know, we plan on, it's, it's like we're married. We're kind to marry, but not, but I plan on it. See, we'll reject that evil and call that evil, but we'll accept what we like. We'll take that on. No, 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 this is okay, because I plan on getting married. I, I plan on it. And we're, we're doing the same thing over and over, and then we wonder why we don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why will you quench them? You quench him, you silence him, because you prioritize what you want it. We don't, we don't like to hear it. We don't, and this, I've just, just got to be honest with you guys. i got to keep it all the way 100 because it's too much is at stake here. Is this okay? You know, we, we, we'll, 
We'll, we'll point out what somebody else has done. Well, that's one kind of lie. I didn't lie like they lied. Like that's a big lie. That's this is a little lie. <laughs> lie is a lie. God is not up there like, no, a lie is a lie. You know, we, we cannot think that, well, you know, I, I, I only like use crystals and I only do my zodiac, but I'm not like a, a Muslim. You know, that would be, that's really bad. No. Evil is evil. There is no, a lesser evil. Well, I just, I just want to, you know, these are just my oils and, you know, these are my crystals. No. Idolatry. Idolatry. You're not supposed to use those things. And you're wondering why we are lacking feeling or experiencing the presence of God. It's because we've, we don't realize that his presence is a privilege. And when we are disobedient, disobedience comes with consequences. For example, my son Dominic lost a tooth just yesterday. Dominic was also very disrespectful yesterday. So Dominic went to sleep expecting money. Dominic got a note. Dominic's note from the tooth fairy said, I will be back next week when you are more respectful. <laughs> I, I don't want teeth from disrespectful children. <laughs> Just because you lost a tooth, you are not entitled to my money. What you thought? Just because it's your birthday don't mean you're entitled to a gift. Just because it's Christmas. See, I'm not parent. I'm for real about it. Teresa will tell you. Because every other parent was like, you're not getting anything for Christmas. You're lying. You're going to give it to him anyway. Me? Try me. Try me. I will say no snap this whole house. Here's proof. A couple of years ago, was it last year or year before? Last year, last year, like two days, two or three days after Christmas. When one? Two years ago. Two years ago, about three days after Christmas, toys were all over the house, places a mess and destroyed. They just kept leaving stuff. I like, you guys got to the end of the week. If there's any toys on this ground, they become mine, and then they're going to become Goodwills. Try me. Come Friday, I'm coming through. Sure enough, Friday came, toys in there, like, I'm like, you got 30 seconds. No, it's fine. All right. They left. They came back home. No more toys. Too goodwill. I am a man of my word. I don't care. They're like, we well, used to pay for all those toys. Yep. Now some kid is blessed with new toys. Praise God. It's not that big of a deal because I am instilling discipline. There is consequences for your actions. And the thing is, as a good father, God understands that. If I don't punish you, for your disobedience, how good of a father can I be? So sometimes when we, we read scripture, we're like, God, that's kind of harsh that you're going to let them go into the promised land and you're not going to go with them. Well, what lesson will they learn if they got to do what they wanted to do and they received my presence? See, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Gifts are privileges, not entitlements. 
See, the word repent, if I'm going this way and this is the way to death, it says repent, meaning I'm going to do a 180, not a 360. You do a 180, and now I'm going the other direction. And now in this direction, the Holy Spirit is with me. If I do another 180, Holy Spirit stays here, and he's just like, you're not coming with me? I can't go over there. I cannot go that way. But you promised me I can have what's over there. Yeah, but not with me. That's not how you're supposed to go about getting that. You're doing it wrong. But God, you promised me a husband, not him. And not when you want it. You're not ready for a husband. You promised me a wife. You're not ready for a wife. You barely can wipe your butt. What makes you think you're ready for a wife? She don't want to clean your drawers. God, you promised me. You promised me. See, the promise always comes with directions. And it's always going to come with a level of responsibility. You're not going to get a promise and not have to earn it. Where there's going to be something required of you. Because every promise that God is going to fulfill and give you is for his glory, not yours. And I think that's an aspect of promises that we miss. He's not going to give you something that you're not going to honor him with. So why would I give you this relationship if you're just going to abuse it and use it for your own gratification? But they're so nice. Yeah, but you have totally ruined it. And that's what we see here. We, we see that these guys were given a promise and they squandered it because he knew them going to that promise, they were going to ruin it by how they were living. We have to understand his presence is a privilege. And when you understand something is a privilege, you, 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 you care about it more, don't you? When you understand that this is a blessing, you care about it more. And it means more to you. And that brings me to my second point. And understand this. His presence is also personal. And that's a big thing I don't think the church recognizes. Is that his presence is personal. As we see in verse 7. What does it say? Moses goes out and he pitches a tent. And becomes the tent of meeting. Mind you, during this time, God was describing to Moses how to build the tabernacle. The place that will become officially where you will go to encounter the Holy of Holies and all that. But it's not built yet. Moses doesn't go, well, I wish I could meet with God, but we ain't got no tabernacle. We need a tabernacle, then I can talk to God. No. He gets his own tent, pitches it, and makes it the tent of meeting. And I, th- I think that's how a lot of us are living our Christian life. Well, like, I would talk to God, but it's not Sunday. I would talk to God, but that's not my favorite worship song. I would talk to God, but I'm too busy. I got work. I got school. I got kids. I got hobbies. I got this. I got that. We, we will we'll find everything possible to absorb all of our time and our attention. And then we'll say, well, you know, if these circumstances were different, then I would. But when you understand that his presence is personal, you know you can meet with God anytime, anywhere 
you want to? That when Christ died upon the cross and rose from the grave, he tore a veil and sent his helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, beside you, and inside of you. That at any time you want, you can talk to him face to face. But what happens? When we get up with God, we do all the talking and none of the listening. And then we're out of there. We come, we talk, and we're out of there. If we show up at all. Often I go, I, I ponder some weird things when I'm just alone in my thoughts. I sit and think about well, how God must feel looking at us as Christians. Like God must look at us as Christians like, I wish they knew that they can talk to me more than once a week. I wish they knew that. I wish they understood that they didn't have to wait till they got to a church building to talk with me. And I know sometimes it must hurt, like, man, like, do they even love me anymore? And I'm talking about Christians, people who proclaim themselves to be Christians. Like, do they really love me? Because it seems the only time they want to talk to me is when they want something. When they need something. It seems the only time that they shout out to me is doing that 20 and 30 minute segment before the message starts. Then I can hear their voice, which is why we may worship a little bit longer today. Just give God an extra 20 minutes. It's not that big deal. But then what's funny is we, 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 when that time is available for us to sing praises, we're, we're, we're there. We're engaged. We're connected. But the moment it's time for God to talk through his word, we check out. Well, now we got to check our Instagram. We got to check the scores. We got to we got we got to uh, send text out because we got lunch afterwards. We're, our brain is all over the place. God's trying to talk to us through His Word to give us what we need, which is sustenance, and we mentally check out. And I'm not saying that because I'm up here on the platform. I know what it's like to sit in the pew. I've been there. Like, oh, here comes the boring part of church, where they're teaching, where they're giving me what I need. But this is the boring part. Why? Why are we like this? School made us like this. P.E., lunchtime, you're engaged. Classroom lecture time, disengaged. And so we come into church with the same behavior. But what I want you to gather from this is you should not be dependent solely on what happens on a Sunday. If you're pursuing God the right way, when you understand that is a privilege and that is personal, you'll pursue God any time you need him. You're going to prioritize that time. And what I mean by need is not just that he's going to provide something to you, but I need to inquire something about you. I'm getting to ready, ready to make a decision. As I said, anyone, anyone in all, of, in all of Israel could have went to the tent of meeting to inquire. But only Moses did. Everybody else stood at their own tent. And they didn't ever take up the opportunity to go and meet with God face to face. What I'm telling you is you have the opportunity to meet with God face-to-face -face with your problem, with your frustration. But when we, we lack this maturity, we, we leave it all up on the pastor's feet. Pastor, solve my problem. Pastor, tell me what to do. I cannot tell you something that the Holy Spirit is not already confirming. Because I'm going to ask you that question. Have you spent time with God talking to God about this? I can give you some wisdom and some direction. I can tell you when you're off, when you say, hey, I prayed about this and this is what I got. Because if you got something that contradicts the word, I'm telling you you got the wrong thing. But that's the most I can do. But your, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is personal. It's personal. 
Any of us can meet with him anytime we want to. I'm going to keep repeating this because it's vital. The church is not a building. You are the church. You. You carry the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. You take church with you everywhere you go. When you live a sanctified life, every ground you step on becomes holy ground. You can make that space for God anywhere you want to, in your job, in your school. The thing is, if God truly promised it to you, if he promised you that job, not one man can take it from you. So some of us, were reluctant to prophesy and speak about God in our jobs, in our schools, in all these places, because we're scared to lose it. But if God promised it to you and he gave it to you, man cannot take it from you. If you're afraid to represent God and all these things that he promises to you, then that's not what God promised to you. Because I have not, once I, I fully committed my life to God, and I'm speaking this with, I'm telling you guys from experience. In all the places and spaces that I've worked at, from the military to security to personal training to teaching to everything I've done, I've always been able to talk about my faith. I've always been able to share my faith because God put me there for that purpose. And it never cost me anything. And even if it did, so be it. And that's what we see in part three, in point three. His presence is protection. His presence is protection. Let's look what Moses says here in verse 15. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If your presence does not go with me, do not send me up from here. Essentially, this is what Moses was saying. I would rather stay in the wilderness with you and die than go into a promise, a promise of comfort without you for one day. He's saying, I, I don't care how long we have to be out here in the wilderness, vulnerable to attacks amongst the Canaanites. I don't care how many enemies we got to deal with. I don't care what we have to face. I don't care how hard it's going to be. If you're with me, I don't care. I would rather be here, risk life and limb, and possibly die than to go into lavish comfort and spend one day without you. That's what Moses is saying, and it's inspiring, and it's also convicting, right? See, like I said, when we read the story, we love to be Moses, like, yeah, God, I don't want it if you're not in it. But do we really live that way? Or do we see comfort, do we see what's lavish and what's, what's going to feel good, and we take what's good and we reject what's God? You see, because we, we do that. We, we will see an opportunity. Like, this has got to be a godly opportunity. It's got to be God. Look how good it is. This is the right time. It feels good. It looks good. It's got to be God. Just because it looks good, it doesn't mean it's God. The, the question is, is can you reject what is good and accept what is God? See, because when we say something is good, we mean good for us. See, because what's truly good is always going to glorify and magnify God. So if I accept something and I step into something and it only magnifies and elevates myself, it was good for me, but it wasn't good for God. And God will always call me to things that are for his glory and not my own. He allows us to be a part of it and take position within it. And no matter what we do, he's going to protect us in it because we're glorifying him with it. 
See, God's, his presence is protection. Moses understood this. He, he understood this. We, we get suckered into the good thing all the time, the great job, the great home, the great guy, the great girl. And we, we think it's all, oh, this is good. This has got to be God. But what do these things produce? Yeah, that job might produce an awesome paycheck. It might give you an awesome holiday and some great benefits. But it takes away 80 hours of your week because you're working in the office and you're working at home. It's causing you to manipulate your identity and your integrity and be somebody you're not called to be. It's causing you to, to reject the things of the spirit and, and compromise your spirit in order that you may provide. See, but when we trust the provider, we're not dependent on a job. That no matter where you take me, God, no matter what I go through, if you're in it, that's where I really want to be. And it, it, it took time to mature in this church. And this is what Moses really understood. Moses knew something. He understood that just because God was giving him a promise, it didn't mean there would be no opposition in the promise. It didn't mean that there would be no challenges in the promise. We tend to think that way. We're like, once I get this, everything will be good. And then I don't need God anymore. There's a reason why it says it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. Because once you gain a certain amount of wealth, you think you don't need God anymore. And you're not prepared for all the oppositions and everything. Yeah, you got the blessing. Congratulations. Congratulations. You made it. You're in the promise, but he is not with you. And it's not to say that God doesn't want to bless those with wealth and, and riches, and we're not just talking about that. Sometimes we'll take a relationship. Like, yeah, I just want to hang out with those people. They look like fun people to be around. You know, it'll help my career. It'll help advance me if I just hang around with them. But you find yourself compromising, breaking your integrity, becoming disobedient, doing things to satisfy men to keep them happy, to maintain that circle. And sure, your status went up. You got more followers now. More people are buying into your cloud, but God is not with you. And, and you're not ready to face the opposition that you're going to face. And that's what Moses understood. You see, because if you go forward, even after the time of Moses, when the people of Israel stepped into the promise, they had to go to what? They had to go to war. See, God cleared the path to the promise. But there was more opposition and more challenges in the promise. See, because everything that God's going to elevate us to is going to require a better version of us. See, God gave me this. This platform right now, he called us to this. And he made it really easy. Like, I still can't believe how fast this happened. But if I was to try to be a pastor and try to lead without him, this platform would destroy me. See, because there's opposition at this platform. There's challenges at this platform. There's adversaries that we still have to face and things that we have to go through. And the only thing that protects us is his presence. See, that's what Moses understood. He understood, like, the people of Israel need your presence. What distinguishes us from anybody else if you're not with us? Have you ever seen somebody who proclaims himself to be a Christian and they don't have the presence of God? Yeah, you have. We've all seen it. It's that crazy auntie at the Thanksgiving table. 
cuss everybody out, like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, this is weird. This is so weird. It's, it's, the, it's the, the picket sign people telling people to go to hell. I hope you die. Praise God. We've seen it. And if you strip them down, if you strip it down, there's nothing different about them or any other violent terrorist or just filthy spirited person, right? You can't tell any difference between them. But when you run into somebody full of the presence of God within them, there's something significant about them. You can't even put your finger on it. You're like, wow, there's just something radiating out of them. There's a light inside of them that I've, I've never really encountered before. There's, there's something like that's just different. And like, I just want to hug them. I want to talk to them. I want to I just pour my heart out to them, right? You ever been around those people? Like, they just come and touch your shoulder. Hey, how you doing? You're like, <laughs> Like, it's okay. I'm just here. The, the people you just want to hug and be around, the people who, like, encourage you and uplift you, and you're like, wow, you just feel like, like what did I just encounter? You encountered the presence of God. See, because the presence of God dwells within those who are following and those who are obedient and those who trust him. See, Moses was able to intercede on behalf of the entire nation. God let the whole entire nation of Israel into the promise and went with them because of Moses. He said, I know you. I have found favor with you. And because you asked me, I will go with you. Every single one of us has the opportunity to be the Moses of our family. Where you are the chain breaker. You are the one who leads your people up out of Egypt. But you cannot do it on your strength and your might alone. You can only do it with the power of the Holy Spirit and his presence has to be with you. So if we go into our homes, into our family, and we just come in and just wail on them and wail on them and beat them up with the word and we're like, they won't change. Have you tried to intercede on their behalf? God, let me be the light. Let me be the light and let me be your vessel. This is what it means to be driven by the Holy Spirit. It's not complicated, church. We, we overcomplicate what driven by the Holy Spirit is. Here's how you can tell if you're driven by the Holy Spirit. What does your life now produce? What does that job produce, that relationship produce? If you go to that place, if you move away, what will it produce? Because if you're driven by the Holy Spirit, it should produce love. If it's driven by the Holy Spirit, it should produce joy. If God is calling you to that job, to that career, it doesn't really matter what it is. Does it produce love? Does it produce joy? Does it produce patience and peace? Does it produce kindness and goodness? Does it produce faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Against such things there is no law. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Being driven by the Holy Spirit means to be crucified with Christ and to put your passions and your personal desires upon the cross and saying, God, if you're not in this, I don't want it. Take it from me. Because the truth is God knows our hearts. He knows our heart's desires. He knows which desires are not good for us and which ones are good for us. And every single one of the desires that were good for my heart, guess what? 
he worked it out. I love music, and God, he, he opened up a door for me to be a producer and write a song. I, I love film, and I love to, to be around film. God opened up the opportunity for me to be a film producer. I love to travel and be around the world. God opened up the door for me to go and be a missionary. But you see, it's everything that he opens up the opportunity for is for his glory. I have my own idea of how I wanted to do this, of how I wanted to go about my dreams and my ambition. But God said, no, 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 no. Follow my path. I will work it out. Uh, trust me, I'm going to work it out. No, you don't need to be an MMA fighter. That's, that's nothing but disaster on it for you. So I'm, I'm taking that away from you. You can train people in kickboxing in your garage, but you ain't going in no cage. No, we're not doing that. See, because we all have ambitions, and some things God has to tell us no. But can you be okay with a no? If his presence is not there, can you be okay? God, I understand your presence is not here. But I choose to be in your presence. If you're not going to be there, please don't send me up from here. Don't be done with me, God. That's what Moses was saying, God, please don't be done with us. I'm contending for all your, and this is your nation. This is your people. Please don't be done with us, God. I want to tell you, God is not done with you. He has not given up on you. But the thing is, he's not going to force you either. Because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He says, if you want to walk away, I'm not going to stop you. But no, anytime you want to come back home, I'll be right here for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, maybe you've been far away from God. You, you drifted away from the Holy Spirit and you, you prioritize your own pursuits. But never any intention of rejecting God. You had no intention of, 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 of denying God in your life, but life sometimes just happens. When you look at your family, I got to provide. When you look at your life and you start to compare your life to others and you're like, I, I, I got to win. Got to get ahead. Maybe, maybe you stepped into a relationship too soon before you matured and was ready to steward over that relationship well and, and you made some mistakes in that. Whatever the case may be, today, here's the, it's very simple, simple altar call here. If you know that you're not walking with the presence of God right now, these altars are open for you. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Like, I, I, I've put other things ahead of the presence of God. If that's you in this place, you know you've put other things ahead of the presence of God. These altars are open. And I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come down here and I want you to get right with God. I want you to say today is the day I get right with God. I get right with his presence. And I'm going to prioritize his presence in my life from this point forward. We're going to begin to sing a song of worship. And I want you to be spirit driven in this time. Don't be ego driven. Be driven by the presence of the Spirit.